Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, you will meet Sandy Dorsey. Sandy is a speech-language pathologist in private practice in Manhattan, and she also has a nonprofit called Smiles for Speech. One of the cool things about Sandy is she is passionate about making a local impact and a global impact. There are actually a lot of private practitioners I talk to who are interested in starting nonprofits because they have big, big dreams and they have a lot of people that they want to help and not just in their local community. So if you're interested in learning about both private practice and starting a nonprofit, then this episode is going to be perfect for you. Enjoy. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right, so before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Sandy Dorsey, and I am in New York City. My practice is called All About Speech. So I am so excited to talk to you tonight, Sandy. I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and I feel like I kind of know you from Instagram, which tell everybody what your Instagram handles are real quick. So people mainly know me for Smiles for Speech, but my practice is All About Speech NYC. Perfect. And we're going to talk about both of those things during this interview. But before we can talk about Smiles to Speech, which came later, right? Right. We got to start talking about the beginning of your private practice journey, which for most people starts like at some point during their early career as an SLP. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started as an SLP and what your kind of early career was like? And then at what point did you start to think about private practice? Sure. So I actually, when I found out about the field, which was my freshman year orientation, I was originally a broadcast journalism major and I heard about speech pathology and how you can be independent. 
So I actually always saw myself as an entrepreneur and, you know, wanting to make decisions for myself and do things my way, you know, really thinking about the way that how people were treated and wanting people to be treated, you know, like they're special. And You know, starting off in New York City, I I started off doing early intervention evals, and then I worked at a a middle school in Harlem, and I didn't feel as that supported by the company that I was working with. And really, during that early journey, I felt alone, you know, a lot of times, and And then I just started thinking about having a practice where people could feel like they were in a community and feel supported by me and that they could, you know, have someone to talk to and all the things that I wanted as a therapist, I wanted to be able to offer that to therapists in New York. And it's already, you know, a a place that (laughs) you're fighting to, you know, get through each day, especially, you know back then. And I wanted to be a place that was, you know, supportive and just energizing so we could all continue to feel good about the profession. I love it. So it sounds like you had this entrepreneurial drive from the beginning, right? And then you got into your first jobs, EI, middle school, and there must have been something about that experience that didn't quite click with your values in terms of wanting to be able to have, like to really be able to serve the people that you were working with. And it sounds like also that you had this interest in in leadership, really, maybe with other clinicians. And and really, you, you said something interesting about preserving like the field, right? And like doing, making sure that things were going like kind of in the right direction. So how did you start to shift into private practice from, you know, being, you know, middle school, you didn't really like it that much. How did you start to actually like put the wheels in motion to start your practice? So I, the first thing I did was, I mean, I set up the LLC before I actually had anything really figured out. And I did that. And then actually later on, my practice started by two people that were very supportive of me, kind of, you know, helping me to to get into it. And there was a therapist that I met one summer at a school who kind of showed me the ropes really and how to navigate the DOE and, you know, how to get contracts and that kind of thing. And if it were not for her, I wouldn't have had a, a practice. And then I had a corporation company to ask me if I could do accent reduction for one of their employees who he was a Nigerian gentleman and they were on the verge of firing him because they couldn't understand his voicemails and they were just having challenges. So I chose to, I chose an office space that was in that area in the business district downtown. And, and that's how there was a combination of having the accent reduction uh, through that corporation and then the DOE contracts. And then it was just learning each day how to grow. When it probably kind of snowballed from there, right? Right. Because once once you and those were two different, very different populations, right? The accent reduction and then then working with the kids, right? So once right. you got the school contract or contracts, what did your day-to-day life look like at that point? Since it was 
I mean, I had some, I had private clients, but the bulk came from the, the DOE contract. I think that really keeping up with the students that were coming in and then that balance between having the work, but then do you have the therapist for the work and then having therapists and then there's no work. Like <laughs> to me, that was the part that was a lot to to coordinate for them to just magically align where the work was there and the therapists were there. So, but you must have figured it out, right? Yes. But yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I think that too. What what you what you said earlier about wanting to provide you know an environment and whatnot. I think that that we're always interested, or maybe it's just me, but I'm always really interested to hear about. SLPs who are having private practices in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you, and I know that you mentioned that you had had an office. Did you have, was that the office that you had for a long time? Did you have any other offices? Did you see people in their homes? Like where, where did you and your clinicians or just in the schools, where did you see the clients? So since most of the work was and still is with the schools, then they were going into the schools. And then for the accent reduction, I found a place that had its own a receptionist and everything was pretty much set up because office space in New York City, I mean, be 10,000 a month. So, <laughs> you know, I think when I started off with that dream to have a private practice, it looked impossible. And then the more you start to just slowly piece things together, I looked into, I mean, especially if you don't need five days a week. So starting off is two days a week. And then if you're renting a space where they already have a receptionist and they're already paying for the lights and everything is already there. And then, you know, having a a concierge in the front to make sure that everyone safe and that kind of thing, especially when I started off, I had to, well, I was working with the adults. And so that would be in the evening hours and just making sure that, you know, the building was managed. It was nice to have that, have someone handling the overhead and I'm just paying for it versus what we traditionally think of. And and in most states, I would think is much easier. I hope, (laughs) you know, New York is super expensive to try to have a a space of your own. So I think that's great. So at this point, um, at the time of this recording, what is your, your still, you mentioned the school contracts is still the majority, it sounds like, of the work that you're doing. How many like clinicians do you have now working for your practice and, and what services do you offer? I have about six and two are CFs and things have, you know, definitely changed with COVID. So we're doing teletherapy and downsized, you know, pretty much. (laughs) We work with all kinds of, you know, from preschool through high school. And my focus has always been in underserved communities. So in Harlem, the Bronx, and Brooklyn. And, you know, so that's pretty much what we're doing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, that's really important, right? And I I, I know from... The other work that I know you from, which we'll talk about in a second, that serving underserved communities is really important to you, right? Absolutely. So can you tell a little bit about your nonprofit for people who may not know about it? My nonprofit is called Smiles for Speech, and I started in 2017 after working for 25 years in New York City, like I mentioned, in underserved communities, and just realizing that there are children all over the world, some that don't even know about speech therapy. 
And there are all of these children that do not have access to services. And I wanted to be able, as an avid traveler, I love to travel. I love to meet people from different cultures and just, you know, learn about their lifestyle and what they eat and what their family life is like. It just felt natural to me to move in that global, international direction. So you you had this dream, you had this desire, you love to travel, right? And so you you wanted to help out, you know, all these people that maybe you had either met or or whatever. And so how what did that look like? I think a lot of private practitioners, there's some private practitioners who start their private practices and that that's what they want to do, right? They just want to have their their private practice in their town or whatever. But there's there's some percentage of private practitioners who really feel like they have a, a bigger meaning or a deeper purpose and really want to have a local impact and also a global impact. And I can I can tell that you're you're obviously that kind of a person. So for anyone who's listening who might be thinking like, wow, I do want to serve more communities than just my own. Can you share a little bit more about how you got started, you know, taking this dream and actually turning it into a reality? Sure. So initially, I had a a trip planned to Cuba, and I had planned on taking toothbrushes and, you know, items to help adults really there. And I thought I need to take the speech therapy and help children there and and find a way in to do more than visit their country and, you know, go to great restaurants and, and, and live that side. Because I think, you know, with traveling, you're seeing the most fantastic parts of a town. You're not seeing where the actual people live. So on that first trip, what I did was just start to research places that I could visit which is still the way the trips are developed now. It's through talking to people that may have a connection. And I think that across the board, really, you know, with private practice and networking is the same on the nonprofit side, because when you don't know much about it, I really didn't know anything about nonprofits and how they work. I just knew that if I wanted to be able to have corporate sponsorship because I had written to Colgate and they said, well, you have to be a 501, you know, 3C. So then I said to myself, I have to be a 501, 3C. So, you know, I just learned along the way. But like I said, I started researching places to visit. I looked at people that did the things that I wanted to do. So Dolores Battle was really a pioneer in the area of combining global mission trips and speech therapy. I looked at, um, I joined a SIG group to read about what was happening in different countries and people that I might be able to meet. So that's how we started with those first two trips in Cuba. And then Peru was the next trip because I at least read about what other speech therapists did in Peru and they visited. So, you know, looking at what people have done before you. Well, and when you look at what people have done, then I think it it not only informs, like, then it helps you see that, well, it's possible for you too, right? If you see someone else do something, then you know, well, you can at least do that too. But I think it also then helps you dream bigger, right? Yeah. So, right, you had, you had Cuba and you had Peru. And then what, have you had other trips as well? We've had Jamaica and Ghana. Nice. Nice. And we would have had Kenya in 2020, you know, but COVID, so... Um, I think that focusing on the dream and getting past the fear 
is that's the main thing. And just to say, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay not to know. That I think was the most helpful thing for me because there still are so many things I don't know. And for me to keep moving forward, I have to go into this space that is sort of unknown and work through it. And I think that if you can embrace that uncertainty and not feeling comfortable, then you will enjoy it a lot more. And especially if you're a perfectionist, which for me, I always felt like this needs to be in place before I start. I need to know this before I start. And all of these things in your mind about who you should be before you can do something like this. I mean, I look at myself now and I people have reached out to say, we're about to start a speech program in Kenya. And I'm looking at me like, am I this person that's talking to the CEO of this hospital, you know, and I just say, wherever you are, you know, in your journey of life and just keep on doing the things that you want to do and you're passionate about, don't think about it too hard because it will stop you. And that's what I think has stopped me from, or, you know, when you want to start something and it's so, I've, I heard a quote that said, don't focus on the how in a way where it stops you. Just Start, start, and you will learn and you will figure it out. Just keep going. Well, and I think that's something that a lot of SLPs really struggle with, right? It's because we do tend to attract more type A perfectionist kind of people who want to do everything right, right? And there's nothing wrong with doing everything right, but (laughs) sometimes it stops you, right? People who are listening, what if Sandy had stopped, right? What if Sandy had thought, oh, well, I just don't know how to become a 50, you know, like, I just don't know how to do the next step. So I'm just going to stop, right? Then think of the impact that, you know, wouldn't have happened, right? So I think sometimes what, what you said is absolutely right, that you have to push through a little bit of that discomfort and know that you'll figure it out. I think Absolutely. And it's okay if you don't know everything and you feel like you need to know everything and And maybe you don't belong in that space yet because you don't know the things that people in that space know. But building a community of people that are supportive and and care about you and what you're doing. Well, if you make a mistake and you fail or you do something wrong, you know, hopefully you have people around you that are saying it's okay because you look at it, you can look at it as this big deal if something doesn't go exactly, you know, the way you hope to, but then it ends up being okay, I've found. Because, I mean, I haven't had, I'm sure that there are situations where maybe it, you know, can change your course, but then you do figure something else out and then what? you don't know where it'll end up leading you, which could be exciting. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, it's going to lead you nowhere if you don't do it. Right? Exactly nowhere at all, except for where you were yesterday and the day before. So that's pretty much nowhere because, you know, we have, I think if you have something that's burning inside you and you don't try and do it, then that's just as hard, you know, to live with that feeling of not trying than actually trying. So you may as well try. If you have some hiccups along the way, you're only going to get, you know, stronger and more knowledgeable and have wisdom, you know, that you can share with others and bring them along your journey with you. I mean, we all can learn so much from each other. And I mean, if you think of it as us being in it together, you know, we're all trying, really. I mean, does anyone have all the answers? I don't think so. 
But I think that it's it's up to to people like you who have a vision, right? And who are who can have at least sit in the discomfort of not knowing exactly how you're going to figure it out, right? But like you talked about when you first went to Cuba and you just, you know, you brought some toothbrushes and whatnot, you brought like a couple supplies. And then now to have multiple of these trips and more planned, I'm sure, as soon as you can can get over there, right? Yes. Get international again. <laughs> Um, and in the mean, in the meantime, you're continuing to have a local impact through your private practice, right? So, what are your plans for the coming year? I know that things are a little bit, you know, crazy right now, but what are your plans for the future for both your private practice and also for your nonprofit? I would really like to continue to branch out internationally and start to, I just actually today talked to a school in Jamaica that is looking for a speech therapist. So if anyone is interested in working with children in Jamaica, they'll take teletherapy. This is actually a paid position, not Smiles for Speech is a nonprofit, but this is a, a school that does have funding for a speech therapist. So I would like to get more involved with working internationally, continue to, I love working with clinical fellows and graduate students. So I really want to build on mentorship and that is tying in the students that we meet abroad with Smiles for Speech with the students here and the clinical fellows. So that's something that I absolutely want to do to start speech programs abroad. Like I mentioned, we're starting that that um, program in Kenya. And for the, the people of abroad, therapists, students, the community to connect more, you know, at least for people that want that international experience. I I like I want to meet everybody all over the world. That's how my mindset is. <laughs> everybody. If I could meet people in every single country, I would. That's truly my dream. And I also want to be a place where if the practice continues to have more of a university affiliation and have more students involved with the practice. So I really enjoyed supervising students. You know, when I was in the nursing homes, I mean, I've done different things with the practice and it's changed since COVID, but I want to work more with students and mentorship and program development. Well, that's just another way that you can have a bigger impact. I love you are so impact driven. It's so it's beautiful and it's important, right? Because we need people who have this ability to think outside of themselves, outside of their city and just outside of, you know, their country even. Right. So, you know. Being able to, you know, work with clinical fellows, work with graduate students, work with SLPs, with kids all over the world, I think is is so, so important. Right. And because, you know, COVID is weird right now. Right. Like things have shifted. Right. Priorities have shifted. But I think that people's dreams have gotten bigger. I know my dreams have gotten bigger and it sounds like yours. Yours have too. Right. So let's go out there and figure out how to make all of these amazing things happen because when people who are visionaries like you take action, there's no stopping you, right? <laughs> right. I love, <laughs> I love the way that people like you that want to encourage others. And it's like a, a spinning ball. We're inspiring each other. And, you know, you inspire me with things that you do. And it can be like this ripple effect. And I love that. I do too. We can, we can all 
level each other up and just make sure that people know about these, you know, amazing, not, not just opportunities. I think that that's really important, but to also let people know again, what is possible, right? That you can have a dream and you can figure it out, right? Even though it seems crazy, right? And you don't know the how part, put the how part aside for now and figure out how to actually make that come true. Do you have any like upcoming events or upcoming things to talk about related to Smiles for Speech that you want our listeners to know about? So we will have events next month for Black History Month. I don't have all the details yet, but we are we're looking at having, you know, some great activities happening next month and our next fundraiser will be to support the hearing, um, newborn hearing screenings in Ghana. So they're not finding out that children have hearing loss until they're like six years old. These are the next events and projects that we are working on. I love it. And so for people who are listening, who are like, yes, I need to know more about that. Where can people, where is Instagram the best place to get up to date information or your website or, or share where people should go to get more information? So the best place is Instagram and we're right there at Smiles for Speech. And on the website, smilesforspeech.org, if you would like to volunteer, you have any ideas that, you know, things that you might want to do internationally or ways that you might want to be involved, you can go ahead on the website and there's a link there. To volunteer. I think if you want to contact me directly, you can email me at hello at smilesforspeech.org. There's also probably a place to donate. Yes, smilesforspeech.org slash donate. And you may have seen, I know over the summer, there was a campaign to wear your t-shirts that was yes. really kind of going viral on Instagram. So I'm <laughs> thinking there might be other opportunities to buy and wear t-shirts in support of this wonderful cause. Yes, there absolutely will be. And the next one will include children's t-shirts and onesies. So I'm excited about that. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your information. Before we depart, is there any last either, you gave a lot, you shared a ton of wisdom, but any other last things that you would like to share with the audience of either, you know, curious about private practice kinds of people or, you know, just starting their private practice journeys? I would say don't limit yourself. Don't let your your families keep you from going because, you know, families can be afraid or if you have friends that are afraid. Don't limit yourself and don't let others limit yourself with any kind of negativity. Start with where you are. Don't worry about needing to be anywhere else. Just start wherever you are and do not worry about being perfect. Take those words to heart, listeners. And again, thank you for being on, Sandy. Thank you for everything. And listeners, please check out at Smiles for Speech on Instagram. And again, thank you. Thank you. So how amazing is Sandy, right? So she had this dream of starting a private practice from a relatively young age, and she's been able to make a wonderful impact serving a lot of schools with school contracts and also having both SLPs and OTs, CFs, and also she wants to supervise graduate students for university programs. But then she also started this nonprofit and is having a tremendous global impact and helping kids all over the world get more access to services through her program, which is called Smiles for Speech. So make sure that you go look them up on Instagram and follow and 
just, I love Sandy and I want to make sure that this organization in particular gets a lot, a lot of attention. So again, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Smiles for Speech and we will see you next week with another private practice success story. Have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some time now. So even being a full-time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.